Amen. Did you hear that lyric? I see your heart in eight billion different ways. Everyone a child that you love. It's a beautiful reminder that all humans created by God, loved by God, for whom Jesus died so that they might have eternal life. In just a minute, we're going to be talking about that as we open up God's word, but let me pray for us and ask that God would speak to our hearts during this time. God, we've gathered in this place because, Lord, you are the creator of all things. The the breath that we breathe, the water that we drink, the food that we eat, the light that we're able to see, the very eyes that we have to see it. God, these are gifts from you. You chose to create us. Lord, you chose to give us life. We say with the psalmist, who are we that you are mindful of us? Who are humans that you should pay us any attention at all? Lord, the galaxy, the universe is filled, God, with planets and stars and all of it, Lord God, so huge and so vast. And yet here we are in this place. And you see into our very hearts and souls that you've called us today to be here, each one of us, not simply by chance, but we're here in response to your great love for us. God, I pray for any who are here this morning. God, uh, those who may watch this today or later who might feel forgotten or alone, Lord, would you tell them that you see them, that you love them, that you know them, that you are here with them. And God, we do ask, these are just empty words, Lord, unless you come and fill this room with your glory. Lord, we're about to speak human words from a divine book about a subject that we have no right to talk about. May you, Lord, by your spirit, fill these words and this time so that it is immeasurably more than we could have ever hoped for or imagined. Not because we're worthy, but because you are good and you are kind. And God, my earnest prayer for us today is that we would understand something of the height and the depth and the breadth and the width of the love that you have for us and that we might be filled to the measure of the fullness of your glory in this place. Be glorified today here in this church and in churches around the world and especially in Christ Jesus our Lord in whose name we pray, amen. Amen? In the romantic comedy Notting Hill, there's this uh, funny scene where the main character is on a blind date. Uh, And he and the blind date are at the main character's friend's house and they're being served dinner. And the friends bring out the bird that they're serving for dinner. And the blind date says, oh no, uh, I don't eat that, I'm a fruitarian. And the main character looks puzzled and says... What's a fruitarian? She responds, we believe that fruits and vegetables have feelings. So cooking is cruel. We only eat the things that have fallen on their own from the tree or the bush and are in fact already dead. The main character innocently enough points to a sort of a bowl of cooked carrots and says, 
So these carrots, to which she responds, have been murdered. Yes. (laughs) Now it's a comedic scene, and the purpose of the scene is uh, sort of to... uh, make light of the fact that there are all sorts of kind of interesting beliefs or thoughts that people might have about fruits and vegetables or animals or whatever it may be. Uh, The reason we laugh when we hear the scene is because she has applied language to carrots that we normally would reserve for humans. We don't think about murdering carrots. We think about murdering humans. Well, That doesn't sound right. We don't... Whatever I'm trying to say. We don't think about murdering humans, but that language, we don't apply that to carrots. And so we laugh. But with most comedy, there's an element of truth. And the truth is that many people in our world actually overvalue fruits and vegetables, not to say anything about animals or other things in creation, and undervalue humans. And that the truth of the matter is, is that humans, us, are unique among all the things that God has created. And that an individual human has far, far more value than carrots do. Why? Well, we want to discuss that this morning. Why should humans be more valuable? Why do we use the word murder when a human is killed and we don't use that when carrots are cooked? Now this is not just an academic question. The reality is is that in the world today there's lots of misguided thinking either to the value of humans undervaluing them or overvaluing other things and it's good to go back to the beginning and to see what God said about us humans, male and female, on the day we were created. And to remember again our creation, not simply as an academic exercise, but so that it might help us to think through how we interact with one another today and how we interact with God. So let me invite you to take a Bible and turn to the book of Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. What I have on the screen behind me are the six days of creation. I wrote them down so I wouldn't forget them. I did pretty good in this service last week, but the first service last week I butchered it. So here they are, all written down. Day one, God creates light. Day two, sky and sea. Day three, land and vegetation. Day four, sun, moon, and stars. Day five, birds and fish. Day six, animals and humans. Now, I do understand that birds and fish are animals, but kind of the way this is spelled out here, birds and fish are on day five, and then uh, sort of what we might think of as like more mammals are on day six, along with humans. Now there's a couple things about this order that I want to point out before we talk about what happens on day six. The first is is that if you look at the order, I put it in this way because God creates in ascending order of complexity, of aptitude, 
of ability of life, if you will. That animals and humans have more aptitude, more complexity, more life than light does. Now, when you look at that list, that makes good sense. Okay, light and then sky and sea. There may be a couple of days, too, that might raise a question in your mind like they did in mine, which is days three and four. You might have thought days three and four would be reversed, is that you would get sun, moon, and stars, and then the carrots. I think the way it works is, is from the perspective of humans, the universe, the sun, moon, and stars, shows more complexity and movement and life than vegetation does. What I mean is the sun appears to rise and set and moves across the sky. The moon orbits the earth. The stars change their position. And from a sense of complexity and movement and life, sun, moon, and stars show more of it than fruits and vegetables do. So God has created in an order of ascending complexity so that humans, which are the last things created, are the most complex, most full of life. Now the second thing to notice from this list, and it might surprise you, we don't get our own day. Humans are created in the second half of day six. You might have expected, as I might have expected, that we kind of got our own day, like, hey, we're special. Now, on one hand, this might say to an evolutionary biologist who doesn't believe in God at all, yeah, well, that makes sense. Humans are simply a more advanced form of animal. So they belong on the same day with animals. I don't believe that in the sense of humans are simply a higher form of animal. But we are on the same day. And that's because what makes humans unique what makes humans rank above birds and fish and animals and those things is not because we got our own day. It's because of what God did in the middle of the day when he created us. Let's look together at the creation of humankind. Genesis 1 verses 26 to 28. Then God said, middle of day six, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. What distinguishes humans, us, from everything else in all of creation is we were created in the image of God. Trees weren't, sun, moon, and stars weren't, birds and fish weren't. Humans and humans alone were created in the image of God. Now what does that mean to be created in the image of God? Well, sometimes you might hear somebody say, she's a spitting image of her mother, by which we mean the daughter looks like the mom. 
That's not what image means here, meaning we are not talking about physicality. When humans are created in the image of God, we're not saying, well, we have arms because we're in the image of God. Lots of animals have arms. And God doesn't have a body. God is spirit. So it's not our physicality that we are created in the image of God. So what is it? There are two aspects in this text that explain what it means to be made in the image of God. The first is that we are able to exercise dominion. We're able to exercise authority. Look in verse 26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, and you see the next two words? So that they may rule over the fish in the sea. We are created in the image of God so that we can exercise dominion, so that we can take care of the planet, so that we can be in charge of creation. If I was going to put one word with this aspect, I would put the word think. We can talk. We can create. We can make music. We can plan, we can organize, we can administer. These are the things that God does and because we're created in the image of God, we're able to do these things as well. This allows us to have dominion over the planet. This allows us to be in charge of what's going on here because God has given us the ability to think, to talk, to reason, to be able to decide, to plan, to organize to paint, to create. The second aspect is not only being created in the God means that we have, created in the image of God means we have the ability to have dominion. It also means that we are relational beings. Verse 27, in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number. This is talking about marriage. It's talking about procreation. It's talking about we have the ability to have a relationship with God. We can be blessed by God and turn around and thank God for the blessing. We can have a relationship with each other. We can have a relationship with the creation that we are a part of. We are relational beings because God is a relational being. God is love. If I was going to put one word with this aspect, it would be the word feel. We can think and we can feel because we are created in the image of God. We feel love, we feel empathy, we exercise kindness and compassion. These are things that are not present in the rest of creation. Your dog might have affection for you. I don't doubt that. But he or she is not making conscious choices to exercise sacrificial love to bless you. Your bird, you might have trained your bird to talk. But when you come home after a bad or hard day, the bird is not going to come up with words of encouragement because it's empathizing with you. But humans can. And we do this because we are made in the image of God. This is what God does. God plans, God creates, God exercises authority, God loves, God sacrifices, God feels. We are created in the image of God and so that enables us 
to do those things. Which means that every single human being has value and dignity. Every single person. Tiny babies, people right on the verge of death's doorstep, those who have ALS, those struggling with dementia, people of every race or color or background, it doesn't matter. God created humankind in his image. He has given to all of us the ability to be like him, to relate to others and to think and to engage. And so every person, every single person who has ever lived on this planet or who will ever live has value and dignity far, far above any animal, any fruit, any tree, anything else in all creation. You and I and every other human being were created in the image of God. That is not said of anything else in all creation. Which means that humans have a dignity and a value that far exceeds anything else in this created world. There's one more aspect to what it means to be created in the image of God that's only hinted at in Genesis 1, but is fleshed out more fully another place in the scriptures. And that is when God created us in his image, he not only gave to us the ability to exercise dominion, to think, and the ability to be relational, to feel, he also created us with an upgrade feature. What do I mean by that? Well, let's look together. Let me invite you to turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. It's page 944 in the church Bibles. I'll also have the passage up here on the screen. Humans were created with an upgrade option. And Paul goes through some complex theological stuff to explain it. So let's work through the passage. And I'll try to talk through what does this mean that we have an upgrade option. Chapter 4, Paul says, What I'm saying is as long as an heir is underage, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also when we were underage, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who cries out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Some complex stuff here, but basically it works like this. Paul says, think of this analogy. Imagine a dad who owns a company. 
and his son is going to come work for the company. The dad is going to assign the son when he first comes work for the company. Hey, look, you go work in shipping for a while. Or you be in charge of the marketing department for a while. Or you be the one who sweeps the floors for a while. Or you be in charge of cleanup. And while the son is working for the dad, he's just like the other employees. He's there doing the work that he's assigned to do. Even though he ultimately is going to inherit the whole company. And he works for a while in the various areas of the company until such a point that the dad says, okay, you're now ready to be part owner with me. And the dad invites the son to be part of the ownership team, to be part of the one making the decisions and part of what's happening in the company. Paul says this is what God did. He did not simply create humans to work the earth. We are created to do that. We're created to tend the earth, to take care of things, to exercise dominion, to watch out over the animals and the birds and the fish and the vegetation and take care of all of that stuff. But what we find out in Galatians 4 is it was not ultimately God's goal to create human beings simply as workers for the earth. It was that way for a time. His goal was to create fellow owners of all that he created. And that after thousands of years, when the time was right, God exercised the upgrade option on humanity. That's what this is saying is that we were designed not simply to be workers, not simply to think and to feel, but to be owners, to be children of God. And what did God do to exercise that upgrade option? He sent his son to become one of us. And the third aspect of what it be, means to be made in the image of God it means that one, God gave to humans the, the ability to think, to exercise dominion. Two, God gave to humans relationships, the ability to feel. And three, and this one's the mind-blowing one, God created humans in such a way that he could become one of us. We were designed to house the glory of God, meaning the fullness of all that God is, the creator of all things, created us in such a way that he could become one of us. You understand God could not be a dog. Now we say, well, God can do anything. He cannot be a dog. He can't be a carrot. Those things are not created in the image of God. And when God designed us, he designed us with this plan in mind. So that at the right time, the upgrade option could be exercised and God could live out the fullness of who he is as a human. And Jesus became a human when he was incarnated. And he is still human today. That God is human for eternity. Now Galatians also says, when he exercised the upgrade option, he didn't just cause one human to be full of God's presence, 
Because of what Jesus did, God is now free to pour out his spirit so that all who believe in Jesus can have God dwelling in us. Before Jesus came, this was not an option. The Holy Spirit could come on someone for a time. The Holy Spirit could move people along. But the Holy Spirit could not live in someone. And when Jesus came, the fact that we were created in the image of God, the upgrade option got activated. And now, the Spirit of the living God can live in us. And our souls, our spirits, our emotions, our brains, our bodies, all of these things were designed in such a way that God himself could live with us, that God himself could live in us, that we can hear God's voice, that we can have God's strength, that we can be given God's endurance, we can wear God's armor, we can go into every situation with God himself in us. Isn't that crazy? Now, practically speaking, we're created in the image of God. We can exercise dominion. We are relational beings. And God himself can live in us. What does that mean practically? Four things. Number one, no murder. No euthanasia. No abortion, no suicide, no homicide. Genesis 9, verse 6, God is very clear. Whoever sheds human blood, by humans shall their blood be shed. Why? For in the image of God has God made mankind. Every single human being, even the smallest baby or the oldest person with the most dementia on the doorstep of death is made in the image of God and nobody has the right to end their life except God. Now you say, well, what about self-defense? There is a sense that life is so valuable that we ought to protect those who are made in the image of God, and so self-defense is allowed. You say, well, what about war? What about governments exercising capital punishment? Governments have a different set of rules than individuals do. Governments are allowed and given the authority, though not necessarily encouraged, to go to war and to exercise capital punishment. But that authority is not given to individual humans. And so the practical matter for you and I is no murder, no euthanasia, no suicide, no homicide, nothing, no abortion. We do not have the right to take the life of something, someone created in the image of God. Now these are not unforgivable sins, but they are sins. And Jesus died to forgive us for all our murders, our euthanasias, our suicides, our abortions, all the things that we have engaged in. Number two, this one's going to hit a little closer to home. No angry outbursts at another person. No slander, no racism, no discrimination of any kind. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 5 verse 21. 
You have heard it said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. Why? Because people are made in the image of God. No murdering. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, now watch out, this is tough, that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, that is a derogatory Aramaic word, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, look at this, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Do you think Jesus is serious? Look what James 3 says. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praising and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Many Americans get upset, and rightly so, when American flags are burned. It's a symbol and sign of America. Many Native Americans get upset, and rightly so, when Native American icons or uh, symbology is used in derogatory ways for sports teams or other kinds of things. Many college football fans get upset, and rightfully so, when their team's logo is degraded by other people. These are the symbols and logos of these very things and we think if you mess with those symbols and logos you are saying something about the thing that stands behind them. Now, if people rightly get upset about that, how do you think God feels? We are his symbol. We are his logo. We are his image. Every single human being represents God. And when you have angry outbursts at another person, when you slander other people, when you exercise discrimination, whether overtly or in your heart, when you engage in racism, when you don't stand up to defend those who are being treated in such a way, these are the images of God that are being spit on. These are people who are made to reflect God's glory. And God says, absolutely not. You don't have to agree with everybody. But you have to treat every person with kindness, with respect, with fairness, with justice, with compassion. Because every human being is a symbol of God. And James says, what are you doing praising your Lord and spitting on his people? It can't work that way. Number three. Because we're made in the image of God, we get to reflect God everywhere we go. Not just Christians. We're going to get to that in a second. But humans. All humans are signs and symbols portraying and proclaiming the creator God to the whole world. Which means, if you're a college student and you're in like an evolutionary biology class where the person doesn't believe that God, the professor doesn't believe that God had anything to do with creation, you may think that it's your job to somehow convince this person through intellectual arguments that they're wrong. Maybe, maybe not. You know the best thing you can do in that class? Show up to class. 
study. Do the labs. Answer the questions on the exam about how the theory says that humans evolved from chimpanzees because by doing so, you are actually disproving the very thing that they believe. There are no other chimpanzees in the class doing those things. <laughs> when you and I think and feel and create and answer and study and take tests and make music and do the things we were created to do, we are imaging to the world that we are created differently than everything else. And you don't have to spend all your time trying to argue and debate everybody into seeing things that the God of this world is blinding their mind from seeing. Just be human. Be human. And instead of angry outbursts at people who don't believe in us, believe in the same thing that we do, just simply be human. Create. Administer. Plan. Empathize. Show compassion. Be grateful. And when any human does those things, it declares to the whole world, we were created in the image of God. And no creature can evolve into what we are without God's intervention of creating us in his image. Number four, the sky's the limit. What I mean is, this is especially for Christians. When you place your faith in Jesus, you have activated the upgrade option on your humanity. It is wonderful to be human. It is far, far greater to be a Christian. Because what you have activated is the ability for God to live in and through you. Now you know how upgrades work. You get the little thing and it says, do you want to upgrade? You're like, yeah, sure, you upgrade. And then you just leave all the stuff sitting on the computer and you don't ever do anything with it. The encouragement is, look, the package that God has given you allows you wherever you go to take the spirit with you. You don't have to go to school this week by yourself. You don't have to be alone. God will go with you. Not just next to you, but in you. You don't have to face the trials you're facing alone. God's strength is yours. You don't have to make decisions using your own wisdom. God is with you to consult you and to guide you and to advise you. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That's not a promise made to all humans. It's a promise made to Christians, which is you've activated the upgrade. The sky's the limit. Go for broke. You can take God with you wherever you go. You don't have to be addicted to sin anymore. God's power at work in you can set you free. You don't have to know exactly what to say to share the gospel with someone. God's spirit is in you to give you words you don't even know where they came from. And the good news is, you and I can have the living God working out his power in us. And the encouragement is, take this thing for a run. These features are amazing. God has designed this thing to do stuff that you can't even begin to fathom. And so in the rest of Galatians, Paul just keeps saying, why do you want to walk by the flesh? 
Why do you want to walk by the Spirit? Bear the fruit of the Spirit. God's Spirit in you can produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Why not let him do it? God's Spirit knows the decisions to make for you. Why not ask his advice? God's Spirit who is with you, loves you, and sees the trouble you are going through. Let him give you his strength. Let him walk with you through these things. Let him bring you encouragement. Listen to that still, small voice in your soul. This is not some made-up thing. This is the living God in you. And you are being what it fully means to be human. Okay, so what do we do with all this? There's a lot here. So what I'd like us to do, if you're willing, is I'd like you just for a few minutes to close your eyes. And I want to talk us through just a little bit of processing this uh, on our own. You're not going to be asked to say anything or to do anything, but just in the quietness of your own heart, I want you just kind of work through some of the things I'm I'm going to talk us through. The first thing I'd like each and every one of us to do is think through ways, maybe this past week, maybe recently, we have not treated others as the image of God. Things we said, angry outbursts against family members or friends or at work, words of slander, stuff we posted on the internet, things we thought in our heart but didn't say aloud, things we should have said to stand up for somebody who was made in the image of God and we chose not to, Ways in which we didn't overtly engage in racist behavior, but we cheered silently when certain things happened to people who are made in the image of God. Take just a minute and ask the Lord to please forgive us, to forgive you. There were people all around us this week that we despised or spit on or ignored or berated or cut down that if it had been Jesus himself standing there, we never would have said or done those things. So let's just take a minute and be honest with God and ask him to forgive us for those things. Next, while your eyes are still closed, for any who are here who have not yet exercised the upgrade option, let me encourage you right now in the quietness of your heart to do so. It's wonderful to be human. It is far, far better to be a Christian. It's great to think and to feel. It's so much better to do so in connection with the God who loves you. 
It's great to be able to manage life and to go through and do things, accomplish things, create things, work. It's so much better to have God's power, his love, his grace being exercised to you and through you. You're like, well, how do you exercise the upgrade option? Well, you know, we all get those little emails or notifications like upgrades are available. Do you want to upgrade now? That's what God's doing for you this morning. And all you got to do in the quietness of your heart mentally is just click the yes button. Do you want to restart? Yes. Do you want to experience God's presence in your life? The upgrade is waiting. It's been designed to make life better. All you got to do in the quietness of your heart is say, yes, God. I don't want to just be human. I want to be your child. I don't want to just be the person who works on the earth. I want to be part owner. So take just a moment. In the quiet of your heart, all you got to do is say yes. And then finally, and this is especially for those who are Christians here already. Have you downloaded the upgrade? And are you not using any of the features? Are you still living life the way it was lived before? Ask the Lord to help you. Are the decisions coming up that he brought you here this week to tell you, let me help you make this decision. I'm right here with you. Have you asked Jesus into your heart and then kept him locked there? Is there something you're going through, a struggle in which you need his strength and his endurance? Is there a sin you're trapped in that you need his power? Is there something you're going to have to say this week that you're scared to death to say and you need his courage? Take just a minute this morning and ask him to live out through his spirit those things that you need this week. Thank you so much for joining us for this podcast from Calvary Church. We hope this message has brought the light and hope of God's presence into your life, refreshing your soul for the journey the Lord has you on. If you have a spiritual need or would like to connect further with the work God is doing through Calvary Church, seek us out online at calvarygr.org. On our website, you can also find an archive of previous messages from this series. Thanks for listening.